The scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, 46 to the 55th verse. <clears throat> my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all the generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to the descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So growing up, uh, we lived on active duty in the Army and didn't really get a chance to uh, see grandparents or aunts and uncles or cousins um, kind of regularly, but but when we tried to make special trips, we always did it around Christmas. And so I remember uh, a couple of those Christmas mornings that were particularly significant in my childhood that we spent at one of my grandparents' houses. Uh, uh, at one point in uh, the mid-90s during the Gulf War, my, my dad was deployed to Saudi Arabia. And so uh, we went up and spent Christmas with, uh, um, with, uh, with his mom, with my grandma up in Detroit, Michigan. And um, one of the one of the first Christmases that I remember ever having snow, and and I remember the the little Hot Wheels track uh, that I got that the cars actually made the full loop to loop, um, and I was just blown away um, by uh, just just how perfect uh, that Christmas was. Being able to spend it as closely as we could as a family, even when uh, my dad was deployed, but um, but then kind of as the course of history kind of took itself, um, somehow or another, uh, much to my mother's surprise, uh, I ended up being a preacher, uh, which means uh, my parents um, never get to have us come to their house for Christmas. <laughs> when we get on those family group chats and uh, we all start making Christmas plans, uh, everybody starts figuring out where they're going to go, and I always have to remind everybody, uh, you know I work for Christmas, right? <laughs> And, uh, and so every now and again, my parents are kind of on a rotation. They, they come down and they spend Christmas morning with us sometimes. And they, they come and uh, sit and have our Christmas Eve services with us and, and are able to experience that a little bit uh, as closely as we can uh, to spend some time with the grandkids. Uh, but we never really get to go up to their house till uh, maybe a couple days before or maybe a couple days after and uh, try to, you know, still kind of capture that moment maybe as best as we can. Um, but... It just really kind of got me thinking just uh, of my family and of the generations that I've known. Um, I've really only ever known uh, four generations in my family. I never, I never knew my great-grandparents. And so uh, from my grandparents to my children, we really only have uh, four living generations that I've ever really kind of interacted with. And, and we, we think about all the generations that I've had and the stories and the, uh, the, the kind of uh, times that we've learned about my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents and uh, different ways that they've come to the United States and different periods of history that they lived through, um, it's always really struck me that 
Um, I'm really shaped by so much of my family history that uh, was lived by people I've never met, <laughs> of experiences that they've gone through that I never uh, really ever got to sit and learn from them. Um, and yet, uh, generations of where I've come from uh, really kind of fill in some of those gaps that I have of um, kind of the mystery of why I am the way that I am, <laughs> shaped by people that I've never even met. And so it kind of got me thinking about generations. Um, and for most of the world, um, most families really only know four living generations. Now, if you knew your great-grandparents, or if you are a great-grandparent, then you're in a pretty special case. Uh, pretty rare, not, not too uncommon, but um, pretty unique. Um, if you get to six generations living in a family, uh, they start to write headlines about you. Uh, reporters show up when uh, grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren are born in the hospital. Um, I think last year in June 2021, there was a family in, in uh, the United Kingdom that hit six living generations, and it was, it was international news. Uh, so that got me thinking about what is, what is the most living generations that, that we've, we've ever known about in the world? And seven. Seven living generations at once. In 1989, Augusta Bungie, um, at 109 years old, celebrated uh, the birth of her great, 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 four greats, grandson, in February 1989. And at 109 years old, she was uh, the oldest uh, matriarch of a family that spanned seven generations. Um, only known recorded uh, occurrence of that happening, made it in the, the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, and from when her great-great-great-great-grandson was born in February, she managed to live uh, to May of that year. And so you think about the impact that being able to have on that family, being able to hear stories and experiences and uh, different ways that their family has moved and changed and been shaped kind of over the years, uh, being able to learn from living generations like that. That's not particularly something that uh, I really had in my family, but, uh, but my granddad, uh, before he passed away, um, he did this deep dive into the genealogy of our family uh, kind of back before that was cool. And uh, went and kind of uh, toured cemeteries, uh, interviewed different people, uh, went and camped out in libraries, and uh, kind of shifted through newspapers and, and pieced together uh, our family tree on his side of the family that uh, went back further than anything that I'd ever imagined before, all the way uh, through different events in our national history from the Civil War to the American Revolution to the French and Indian War and, and, and all these different experiences and uh, a story of uh, part of my family uh, coming over from Northern Europe on a ship uh, kind of bound for New England. Um, one, of the, one of the women as a part of that family fell off the ship and drowned. Uh, they didn't know it at the time, but uh, she had most of the family money uh, sewn into her dress to keep it safe from people that might try to steal it from them. They found out later <laughs> that she drowned with most of their money. It, you know, weird stories that you come across going, man, I had no idea any of that happened. Uh, 
But you hear about hardships, you hear about struggles that, that, that kind of go across the generations that, that all of a sudden point to where you are, where we are right now in our history that have shaped us, that, that have moved us, and stories of hardship and overcoming struggles uh, that have prepared us for the moments and the struggles that we face today. The stories of generations are something that shape us in a way that we can't possibly fathom because they go back so much further than anything that we've imagined, and yet we're living in the legacy of something of building a future and dreams of those that are still to come behind us as well. The impact of generations is so much larger than anything that we can possibly imagine. So in our scripture today, we come to one of the most iconic moments in the story leading up to the birth of Jesus. Uh, We have Mary's song of praise. Uh, It's also known as the Magnificat. Uh, This expression of joy, this song, uh, this prophecy, this outpouring from Mary's soul of the goodness and the faithfulness of God to show up in everything that is going on in her life, but not just in our life. It becomes uh, an overwhelming expression of praise of everything that God has been doing in the history of God's people. And it becomes this incredible, incredible outpouring and prophecy and foreshadowing of not only the faithfulness that God showed to uh, the nation of Israel long before Mary was ever around, but foreshadows the ministry of Jesus, the miracles, the teachings, the sermons, the sacrifice that this son, this Messiah will bring into the world in a way that will turn the entire world upside down. Mary's song of praise is uh, written in a long tradition of uh, prophecies and of uh, songs of praise that are written from women across all generations of scriptures as well. From, from Miriam, Moses' sister, singing her song of praise uh, on the other side of the Red Sea being delivered from Egypt. From Hannah's song of praise of uh, finding out that she has a son, Samuel, and through that son, uh, through that leader that God will raise up, that God will begin to deliver the nation of Israel. And so Mary's song of praise comes at such a unique moment when you really think about what might have been going on in her life when she began to sing the song. As she comes out of this dream from the angel Gabriel, Uh, telling her this uh, amazing and beautiful yet terrifying truth of of what's about to come, that she'll be carrying the Son of God, that she'll be pregnant with the Messiah over all creation, the King of Kings, that, that even just that would be overwhelming enough, but to come into the situation that she's going through in her life of not being married, in the midst of all the dreams that she may have been dreaming for her life, of all the dreams that she may have had for her family and her future, the type of mother that she wanted to be or imagined that she would be, and all of a sudden God coming in and saying, I've got a bigger dream. And not just a dream for you, but a dream for all people. In the overwhelming nature of Mary's particular world being turned upside down, she goes to find some family. And she goes to Elizabeth to stay there for some time. And I imagine in Mary's mind as she's making this journey of uh, all the different ways that she might feel like maybe she has to uh, explain 
what's going on. Maybe even defend herself over what's happening or the explanations that she's going to have to be able to kind of weave together. How in the world is she going to get her cousin to believe her? Or maybe she's going to her cousin because she realizes that's going to be a safe space for her. But all of that worry and all of that anxiety of of carrying that truth around and wondering just what to do with it seems to erase all of a sudden as she comes into Elizabeth's presence as Elizabeth, without even being prompted, without ever being asked, without ever having even a simple glance, realizes just who is coming and who Mary is carrying. And Elizabeth says that even as you draw closer to me, as soon as the baby in my womb heard your voice, my baby leapt with joy. And Elizabeth greets her with joy. She greets her with excitement. She starts to prophesy over Mary. And in that moment of welcome, in that moment of acceptance, in that moment of Mary didn't have to do anything else but just show up in all of the anxiety and all of her world being turned upside down, from her lips comes one of the greatest expressions of praise of the faithfulness of God that we have written in Scripture. The longest extended speech of a woman in all of the gospel of Luke and Acts. She begins to tell of the faithfulness of God, not just in her life, but over all generations. Because it's an expression that no matter how great the dreams that Mary had for her life, no matter the plans that she had or what she thought her future would end up to, she gets wrapped up into that moment of realizing that her dreams have got wrapped up in God's dreams, and God's dreams are bigger than anything she's ever imagined. She, in that moment, is able to look back and see all of the faithfulness that God has brought to the people of Israel, and she is able to prophesy for all the goodness and faithfulness that her baby that she's carrying is going to bring into the world. And she prophesies a power that is coming into this world that is unlike anything the world has ever seen. It's going to turn the world upside down. And the song of praise that comes from this expectant mother is the very song of praise that's going to make kings shiver on their thrones. Because everything that we have tried to push back against the struggles and the hardships of our lives, uh, the revolutions and the wars and the tactics and the strategies and the agendas and the politics, and all that we've done to try to take hold of our own future and our own ways and try to bend it to the way that we want and fulfill the dreams that we have Mary says in that moment that all of that falls away when this baby comes into the world. And everything that is powerful crumbles and everything that is lowly is lifted up. And this one small child that nobody else in the world can see coming just yet is going to change everything. And what that changes in Mary's life is a prophecy of what that's going to change in every life leading through the generations all the way to us here today. I love hearing stories of my family through the generations. So I never got to meet my, my great-grandmother, uh, Sierra Nevada. Uh, I never got to meet her family or learn of her stories, but uh, one of my daughters is named after uh, my great-grandmother's sister, I never got to know some of the struggles that they all went through, but I heard of the periods that they lived through. 
And I can imagine the struggles that they went through through depressions and wars and revolutions and the exoduses that they've all lived in their own lives trying to find better situations for their families. And so I think of where I am today. I think of my children and the type of life that we're trying to shape and the type of lives that we're trying to have and realizing that in the moment of thinking of all the generations that we are still being shaped by the dreams of farmers, of fur trappers, of teachers, of mothers, of warriors. Over every generation of my family that I can even trace it back to and not even knowing the generations that go back further than that, all leading up to a moment that gets caught up in God's gospel and God's story that is greater than anything that we could ever possibly imagine. Because God's redemption and God's story is not just for the dreams that we're dreaming over our lives right now. But it catches us up in the midst of all the dreams and all the prayers and all the promises that have ever been dreamed or ever been made over the course of creation. And God has said, I begin answering them in the first moments that I ever dreamed of you. And you are being caught up in a greater salvation and a greater deliverance and a greater redemption than anything we can ever imagine. We're carrying upon our shoulders all the dreams that have gone on before us and living in the hope of the gospel that answers all the dreams that are still to come. Mary becomes the perfect prophet for what is coming into the world. And it had to come from the lips of a mother because for some of us, they were the only one that could possibly believe that it was possible. That this tiny little infant that was so weak and helpless and coming in a way that was so controversial was going to turn the world upside down. And through this single song of praise, we get the first picture of what Jesus' ministry cares about. That Jesus comes for the lowly. Jesus comes for the broken and the brokenhearted. Jesus comes for the hurting for the sick. Jesus comes for those that we have walked past and those that we have forgotten and lifts them up to a way to realize that they are worthy. That Jesus comes into our lives in such a way that everything that we've built up and everything that we have secured ourselves with and all the other chains that others have spoken themselves over us and anything that is claimed to have power over us is broken by just the presence of this tiny baby coming into our lives. And that comes with an unspeakable joy from this mother who just can't contain it any longer. That in one way, all the dreams of her life may have just been changed in a single moment, but she begins to praise in such an outpouring of joy that she realizes that her dreams weren't even big enough to contain what God was about to do. We're living in the legacy of the generations that have come behind us that have experienced the prophecy of this praise, of this Magnificat, of the words of this mother spoken over uh, the grace, the kingdom, the way that Jesus would bring into our lives. And that her dreams 
get to be a taste of the dreams that we inherit today. And we have a chance to go out into the world and to be a part of God using us to answer the dreams of changing families, changing communities, and changing this world in a way that we never thought possible. We're living in the legacy of the prayers and the dreams of yesterday, of today, and of tomorrow in a kingdom that is unlike anything else in this life. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me this morning? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks for joy that creeps into moments to where it seems like at times that everything else might be falling apart. Lord, we look at the life of Mary in a moment to where her world was turned upside down. But Lord, when she was welcomed by her cousin Elizabeth, we get to see the outpouring of a prophecy and praise that reminded not only her, but to us, Lord, that you are in the midst of making all things new of turning this world over on its head, of lifting up the lowly, of caring for the brokenhearted, of showing us a way of grace and of life, of truth and of joy that breaks through all of the darkness and the distraction and the powers of this world and sets us free in a way that nothing else in this life can. Lord, you fill us with hope and light that we might be a part of the dream that you are dreaming over this world, that we might be used as a part of your story to bring life and hope and have joy and peace into every life that we meet. As we consider all these things, Lord, we answer your call and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.